Hello everybody, on today's podcast episode of Casual Corns we have something slightly different to usual, whereas normally we'll chat about TV shows and films and maybe video games, today marks the beginning of something new, Thinkbait is what we're calling it, and now as the name suggests we'll be chatting about things that make us think with people who will hopefully make you think. On our first Thinkbait podcast discussion, we welcome our very first guest, Holly Matthews. Holly is a talented actor, a self-development coach, and creator of the Happy Me Project, and as it happens, a friend of mine too. We had a really interesting chat about these crazy coronavirus times and how she's dealing with it all personally, as a single mum especially, and how she may be able to help you through it all as well. In this podcast, Holly touches on her own personal story, which is both tragic and uplifting. It's weird. The world has gone mad. What? I mean, I, I it was my daughter's birthday on the 15th of March, and it, that feels like it was 3,000 years ago. Or just like the world is shifting so quickly every day. It just, it's insane. Like, it's so weird. It's so, it's, it feels like ages ago and yet like, like nothing's happened in that time as well. It's really strange. So weird. And, and, and the thing is like, I particularly in the last week have really retreated into my bubble. Like I'm really protecting my mindset. So I'm not watching the news. I'm not even, I'm barely going on social media other than work. So yeah. it feels properly surreal. Like we've just went out and done a clap for the NHS and all that business. And that's like seeing all the neighbors come out of the house and clap and cheer and support each other. It's like the f- the first like proper human contact we've had in like ages. It just feels so weird. It's just, a, I mean, yeah. You're reasonably a social creature as well, aren't you? It's not like you're a recluse like some of us. Well, so. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm not massively, like I am, I'm, I'm a confident introvert, so... I am very comfortable being out and about, but I I don't like, I'm not, I'm not an extrovert. So I'm quite comfortable being in my house. In fact, I saw a meme yesterday. It made me chuckle because it was like to all the introverts who were just waiting for this to be over. So everyone <laughs> will get out of the house. <laughs> so yeah. everyone will get out of the house. And I kind of know what that feels like because I mean, I've got my two kids and I love them very, very much, obviously. Um, but I am used to having, you know, school and a moment mm. to breathe and, um, you know, adult company that kind of stuff and so there is definitely that part of me that is like I'm gonna have to wean myself back into human humankind again after this like it's it's weird like I I don't dislike my own company I actually don't mind just being in the house and because of the type of work I do a lot of my work is quite remote although I do big events and things that's one-offs and I can do that where I go and people for a bit do a full day give it you know all my confident um good uh, impression of an extrovert and then I can go home <laughs> and um, and re- you know be the recluse again but yeah. yeah this is slightly even for me this is kind of like I'd like to see some people I, I do, do you feel like it's sort of a bit of a re- gonna be a bit of a reset for a mm. lot of people well this is what I've been saying and I've been doing I mean over the last the first week I was doing things that I've not done in a long time so I'm very protective, as as you probably know, Jay. Like, I'm very protective of my mindset. I talk about, you know, positive mindset, how to look after ourselves, and and I practice what I preach. So I didn't really watch the news and stuff anyway. And then when this all kicked off, everyone was kind of in the initial stage of saying, Holly, you need to watch the news. You need to know what's going on. And obviously, you've always got, like, the people in your family and the friends that want to tell you all the death count and those friends. 
and mm. um, so they were all updating me anyway so I didn't really see see the need and then obviously I you know lockdown was going to happen and my dad my dad works in Oman in the desert and he was in health and safety so he was getting like frontline full out the reports of what was going on before everybody else so he was like you right. need to get the kids off school you need to go home now I'm not joking and so he was in my ear so I took the kids off school before anybody else did and everybody laughed everyone around me was like you've been over the top and I was like well mm. I don't care so like yeah. I've never ever in my life done what everybody else is gonna do so you can tell me like I'm being over the top but I'll still take the kids off school because I think it's ridiculous so I took the kids off school but that first those so after that I started to watch the news and within like a few days of that I was freaking out and feeling really overwhelmed in a way that mm. I don't get like I'm just not that person so in and I was and the reason for that was because I was consuming so much and what I've realized in my times of difficulty in my life I need to create not consume I need to do something and so since then I've went right this what can I do now my skill set is absolutely needed in this time it's how do we keep our minds okay while we're going through big stuff big traumatic stuff and um so I just decided right I'm gonna focus on showing up for people and you know being there and being online and doing live so I've actually in the last you know last few last week how long have we been I don't know how long we've been in lockdown <laughs> I think it's only been a week and a half feels, like, yeah it's so the last week and a half is because uh, I've been in longer because we've been I yeah think we've been yeah, in same. that extra week so um so yeah so the last week and a half when we officially went into lockdown I decided right I'm gonna just do this and I've been I've been busier than I normally would be I've not stopped I am either right. doing live streams or creating content. I've also got my one-on-one -on -one clients that I work with as a life coach. I've got podcast interviews. I have not stopped. Like people keep saying to me, like friends of mine who have proper jobs are like, I'm just thinking of things to do. And I'm like, thinking of things to do. Like I can't stop things coming in. And then on top of that, I'm homeschooling and and create, you know, and trying to be like a fun mom. Like today was leopard print Thursdays in our house. Um, where we wear leopard print, obviously. Um, so it's just quite... As you it's, do. I mean, yeah, why not? You can join us next <laughs> Thursday if you want. <laughs> well, I, I can't because I can't get within two metres of you, but I could do it from home, Virtually, I suppose. Virtually. You have to just join in with the leopard print. Don't right. try and find excuses not to wear leopard print. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've got any for a start. <laughs> um, but it sounds great. And yeah, I mean, you're you're so right as well about the um, the, the doing stuff rather than dwelling i mean one of the things that's really difficult for especially for anxious people to get their head around mm. is that being anxious like it doesn't actually like even if you're right mm. it doesn't solve anything this is like, it yeah and it doesn't mean it's it doesn't mean that you can you know i'm also on the flip side i'm not i'm not no matter what i say what i talk about in terms of skills and learning these skills it's really normal for you to feel anxious in this. Like, it's okay to feel sad about this. It's okay to grieve the loss of the year you thought you were going to have. Like, that's really mm, normal. And it's okay. Like, I, I think two days ago, I, I had another moment, like a wave. It seems to be coming like, you know, like a toddler's emotions. Like, I'm like, fine. And then I'm have a cry. Then I'm fine again. And because I've got good bounce back, I'm, I'm fine with that. But I had a moment. It was actually just because I went out for a run with the girls and um, we saw all the nice pictures and the rainbows and it just got me a little bit emotionally. Like I just felt, and it wasn't even necessarily sadness. It was a, it was the level of that connection, that human connection of, of everybody kind of being together, but being scared and sad. And it's almost like other mm. people sat, it really gets, you know, I'm quite an empathic person. And so that really got me, but I guess mm. like you say, it's, 
it's knowing one that the anxiety doesn't it you know worrying about a problem doesn't solve a problem it doesn't do anything it just makes you worried and it spoils your right now but equally on the flip side it's okay that it, you know you're not you're not it's it's normal that you are worrying yeah that's a really interesting balance actually isn't it like mm. to achieve to, to to know that it's okay to be anxious mm. but to also simultaneously say to yourself I think I think some people are really anxious. Some, I mean, I've had yeah. this thought process in the past where I have found myself being really anxious. And then I think mm-hmm. I get to a point where I think if I stop worrying about this thing, I don't, it's, it's not like I consciously think this, but it's some mm-hmm. on some subconscious layer, I'm thinking if I stop worrying about this thing, that thing is going to happen. The thing that I'm worried right. about happening yeah, yeah. is going to mm-hmm. happen. So it's like you, you become your anxiety becomes like this. It's a compulsion. It's yeah, almost like a, it's, yeah. It's your, you see it as like a shield almost. You think yeah. if I stop now, I've been, I've been this anxious for so long. <laughs> yeah. Like if I stop now, the bad thing that I've been worried about is going to happen. It's going to happen. It's almost like you've taken your eye off the ball then. If I take my eye yeah, off this thing yeah, yeah. and I don't stare at it incessantly. And and the truth is that's obviously, we know logically that's not true, but the, and, and certainly, you know, in the past when I, and I think, and I don't know if you found this, but, as an actor, so obviously we both come from that background of of that acting world being so up and down. And as an actor, I really developed a horrendous like amount of OCD and obsessive mm-hmm. compulsions. And I know that that was because of the lack of control within that world that I couldn't control that, but I could control the weird stuff I did. <laughs> like I could control yeah. like touching word and and, you know, whatever weird rituals that I had in place or, you know, in the past, there's definitely been some controlled of, of like eating and things like that with me. And and I know that that came down to anxiety and it was an anxiety that I wasn't able to control. So I would do some weird ritual. But what I learned over the years and, and I'm absolutely not in that place now. And, and when I can feel the, the need, the desire to do um, obsessive compulsive rituals or if I notice that my eating habits aren't great, um, I know that I'm, I'm anxious. And so I check in with myself and I go, okay, so what's the real issue here? Because it isn't about whether you touch wood and all the wood in the house or whatever other weird ritual you've got. Or, you know, it's it's not that you feel, certainly I don't have any eating anxieties about how I look. It's, you know, it's always about control. So I mm-hmm. notice that actually it's about checking in with myself then and going, so what's the root of this? Okay, so you're scared that, you know, is it that you're scared people are going to die or you're scared that, this is never going to end or you're not going to, whatever it is. And I, I try to check in with myself. But one of the things I've really thought about over the last week is the comparison. So for your, you know, your listeners that have, don't know my story, when my, so my husband died in 2017 and I have had a lot of reflection on how I got myself through this time in this Corona time, because first of all, this is a grieving process that we are going, we're grieving the loss of the the year we thought we were going to have. It's it's the same. It's the same process we are going through. We're grieving, you know, the weddings we thought we were going to do, the the you know, the holidays we thought we were going to have, the, you know, people's partners being with them when they give birth. All of these things, we're grieving the loss of these moments or even just going to the shops without having to wear a mask. You know, we're grieving these losses. And so I was trying, I've been trying to compare and understand, you know, where, what happens and, and all of that kind of stuff. And there's so many comparative things within that. And certainly when you were talking about, you know, focusing on, you know, look, the anxiety and almost you feel like you, you, if you take your eye off the anxiety, you don't feel anxious, like it will, um, you know, the, the problem will just happen. 
And I can remember when when my husband was diagnosed with brain cancer, which is what he died of, um, I remember the moment when I recognized that that was nonsense. And it was coming back from the hospital. I was on my own. No, nobody was with me. Probably the first time that had happened. And I got home and I really cried and I was really upset and I was anxious and I was fearful. I was terrified and I cried the proper ugly cries. And there was suddenly this moment where I thought, I can cry here all day. I can be anxious <laughs> and worried all day and it ain't going to change a thing. So I have to do mm. something now. And it became at that time, my, my mantra to life became whatever it takes. And we've actually just put that on the front of our house because we've got, we've got all like pictures. My daughters have got pictures all of the house and we've got whatever it takes because that is my thing. Whenever, whenever something is difficult, there's always something that you can shift for you. All right, we might not be able to solve this, you know, virus on our own. And, and that's, you know, there's, there's cleverer people than probably you and I that are working on that, we hope. And, um, but we can, we can shift things in our own worlds, in our own minds, and we can change how we react. And, you know, even if it's just turning down negative Sue, who wants to tell you about the death count on Facebook, like, even <laughs> if that's your, even if that's all you can do, then it's something, isn't it? It's a step towards you feeling okay about this. Bloody Sue. Bloody Sue. She's always, yeah, yeah negative Sue. We've all got one. We all know her. <laughs> to be fair, it's pretty much everyone in my life, mm. unfortunately. Is it? I've yeah. got, every time I sign into WhatsApp, there's about 10 messages telling me, reminding me about the death count and all that oh, sort of stuff. Oh, you're sure. Well, um, my dad's the one. He's the most pessimistic, right. um, positive person I've ever met. I don't know how he does it. Right. He's fine. Yeah. But he, he talks... He's very real, so and and I'm you right. know I'm a look the tiger in the eye person. Like I am, let's face things. But equally, when you when you are personally, this is what I was saying to my dad. The other day. I was like, Dad, I am doing everything I can. I'm in the house. Like I'm not. I'm barely leaving. We are. You know, I'm doing everything I can. We're going on our one walk. We are like fully being good. Like I'm very yeah, protective yeah, yeah. of the girls. I can't do anything more. So you telling me about how bad it in giving me the statistics and sending me information, it's not changing anything. Maybe three weeks ago, maybe a month ago, if you were sending me that, you know, to shock me into getting in the house. Mm. But now I'm in, what else am I doing? I've nowhere to process that information now because I can't do anything. And especially when you are a person who is a, a, a problem solver, I'm a person who wants to do, to do something. And I, I feel, you know, very unable to do anything about that so I just don't need to see it and you like you say you've got these we've we have these friends and and these loved ones who want to do that and I guess you know on the other side that's their way of dealing with it as well exactly isn't it? you know it's like mm. oh god so your way of dealing with it is to do you limit it limit yourself to what one consumption of news a day is that how you play it I'm not even doing that now so okay. I, and when, and because, purely because I know that I will get the information if things shift. So mm -hmm. I know that I will get a text message or, or negative Sue will tell me, or my dad will tell me, Holly, something's changed, right? Something big. If it's anything different to it is now, any rule has changed, I'll be told, okay? So the way I'm looking at it is, what do I need to see right now? Because I will, and I could very easily, and in the past, you know, I have been, I'm, extremely political person I read I know my history I know politics of you know I know all of this stuff and in the past I've been very consumed by that I, you know I've attended every argument and I could very easily get sucked into that and sometimes it's quite fun and you know way to pass the time to argue with people that disagree with you and all that but actually and this is absolutely something I learned around the time of Ross dying 
was that I didn't have any more space for that. Like if you're going through something big, you have to get ruthless with your mindset. And if you aren't, if you're if you're feeling quite rubbish and then on top of that, you watch some awful news update um, and let's remember what, you know, how journalists, you know, sell papers and things. The, the thing that they use is if it bleeds, it leads, right? If it's miserable, that's going to always be the first thing that comes into the, the newspapers. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not absolutely like blinded, blindly positive. I know this is bad. I don't think I need to caveat every every conversation with that. I know this is bad. I, I am a realist. I'm not a blind optimist by any stretch of the imagination. How, you know, I, people who are resilient aren't actually optimistic in that way. We're just bounce back quite well. And we look at, you know, mm. we deal with it in smaller doses, but equally we don't need to have the extra stuff. If I'm feeling rubbish, if I'm not feeling great, putting that on will have the same impact on me and make me feel slightly more miserable because our brains don't know the difference between, you know, if we watch a horror film, we get the same adrenaline watching somebody, you know, be chased around a house. Our brains don't, can't, it, it doesn't know the difference between what's real and imagined. So if we are feeling rubbish and then we then consume the news and we go through the process of seeing someone dying and, and then start to imagine our family members, or it could be us, it could be our home, we go through that same chemical thing in our body and then we feel worse and then we wonder why that is. And that's why when we're going through something big, I cannot stress how much we need to protect our minds. Like we need to get back in our bubble and you know whatever your bubble is, even if it's not the one you really want to be in right now, I get it and I know my situation is privileged. I have a house, I have a garden, I've got food in the fridge. I'm privileged. But whatever your situation is, it is, it is what it is. And I know that's a rubbish thing to say, but as I say, I'm a realist, like this is, there's nothing I can do about that. I can't change that for everybody. I'd love to, but I can't. And so we have to protect ourselves and we have to protect ourselves in our little homes, whatever that is. Mm. So on that, we should probably explain a little bit about what you do then. So as well as um, the acting, which we've touched on a bit, you 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 do a bit of life. What what's it called? Life coaching. Well, yeah, people call it life coaching. I'm always I I never like saying that. I use life coaching purely as a term because more people understand what that is than mm -hmm. I guess other stuff. Now, I always say I'm a self development coach, and a self oh, yeah. I do. I'm trained as an NLP practitioner, which is neuro linguistic programming. Sounds well fancy. It's about how our it's just about how our brains process things and, and kind of using those processes to our advantage and um, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So I do, so I'd always done it. I'd always done self-development stuff for myself as an actor, because as, as we said, it's, you know, the up and downs of being an actor and I didn't want to feel rubbish. And I grew up on television and, and that brings with it all kinds of weird issues with your mental health and um, certainly looking back now we were definitely not as child actors protected at all I remember a psychologist coming like maybe once a year and them going do you want to go and see them and me going no not really like what not really but you know we were kind of very unprotected in reality looking back on it now and I know a lot of my other cast members are now seeing psychologists and going through that and just working out some of the stuff from when we were young but I was always doing it and I don't really know where it came from. And I've, you know, my dad was a welder. My mum worked in a bank and I don't really know other than absolute, purely an organic need to not feel rubbish. And so initially when I was really young, I used to do things like um, 
essentially what I was doing was things like affirmations. I was trying to say sentences that made me believe that I was an all right person because a lot of my stuff when I was younger was a, was a body dysmorphia kind of thing. I thought I was the ugliest thing that anybody had ever seen. And I just thought that if I went out the house that people would be just like repulsed. They would go back in their houses because they would lock themselves down because of the way that I looked. And I was really bad with that for a long time. So a lot of that initial self-development was around how can I not feel like this? Because I got bored of my own BS story. Eventually, I just got sick of telling myself I was a rubbish person. And so I started to Mm. do things like affirmations and very mild kind of meditations and stuff. And and I was also, and I laugh about this, I was telling my mom and dad about this, reminding them about this the other day. I went through a stage where I would burn my negative thoughts, right? So I would write down my negative thoughts. I kind of went through a stage when I thought I was a witch, I think. Um, I'd watched some <laughs> film or something, you know, the actor in me had taken it too far. And um, so I was writing down negative thoughts and there was, I had this metal bowl in my house. And so I'm sat one day, I was probably about 14 and I was lighting these thoughts and putting them in this metal bowl and a small fire went in the bowl. And um, then I put it out, it was all fine, I thought. And then I tried to pull the metal bowl off the carpet and it was just fully welded to the carpet, like actual, like you could knock on it. It was so welded, like the whole carpet was ruined. So I was now not allowed a flame in the room, a naked flame, (laughs) probably never a good idea. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so I was doing, I was always doing that kind of stuff. And um, always interested in it. And even as an you know adult actor in the background, I was trying it. I was reading books about psychology and self development. And I certainly think people always ask me now, like when I'm in interviews and stuff, they'll say, "How did you say you were an actor? And now you're doing this? It seems so different." And I'm like, "It's really not. Like, it's not. It's no. so not, is it? I mean, as an actor, your job is to walk around in someone else's shoes and pretend to be them. So you've got to get in their brain and understand their reasons and whatever." That's the same as what a, a self-development coach does or a psychologist. Like they're kind of doing the same thing. It's just that they're not then pretending to be them. And no. it's very yeah. similar. And I know a lot of actors go into that world purely because they've probably just done it for themselves. And then suddenly they find people want to understand it. Then, And that's kind of what happened with me. So when Ross got sick, I, um, I was just talking more openly about it. And having always been very entrepreneurial outside of being an actor, I was talking a lot about self-development and people initially just around me wanted to understand what I did to not feel as you know to get through it and so I just talked about and then what I realized was actually there was a business in it and I I knew a few people that did it and I just started to take it more seriously and it's always been a very organic sort of process for me And, and when Ross died I set up the happy me project so the happy me project was an answer to the fact that when Ross died, there was a huge amount of press. I don't know if you really remember it at the time or saw it, but there was a lot of press in, yeah. in like the the newspapers across the, the UK. And I went on Lorraine Kelly and, you know, there was just a lot of interest in, in the story, partly because of my acting, partly because his dad was a footballer. So there's a lot of ways for journalists to get a story in. And also because I right. talked openly about loss and grief and what I was going through. And even though I know, and so I vlogged on YouTube and, and I talked and I know for some people that must have seemed very odd, but for me, it was my way of getting it out of my head. And I don't know whether, and I, you know, looking on this, I'm sure a psychologist would certainly, you know, have a field day with it. But me being an actor I and mean, in my informative, you know, my formative years being on TV, being in front of a camera was my safe space. 
like outside of being at school and you know all of the normal troubles of school and when I was there I was I felt like I was good at something and I felt important and I felt safe and in my Mm. flow and so I think for me being in front of a camera is always going to feel like that it's going to feel a very comfortable place so it isn't weird for me to stick a camera in front of myself and talk that's normal I know that Mm. would be weird for other people but because of me talking and because of the press it just had I just had a lot of eyes on what I was doing and people were going how is she dealing with that and I can't deal with the fact there's ironing up the wall and so because I care because I genuinely care about people I just I wanted to do something and so I put out the Happy Me Project online course which is a 21 day self-development program and it's the fundamentals of self-development and I really genuinely had no expectation of what that would do it was just I needed to give them something that was it's always been 30 pound it was never an expensive course and I just wanted to give people something and I've seen hundreds and hundreds of people do that course now and and it's developed into a, a real brand in its own right but all of it was an organic process so essentially yeah I'm a life coach so I do one-on-one stuff but I've done workshops and and blogging and I speak in events and it's become kind of a full brand of self-development mm. well as you said though it's all it is all related because mm. I mean as you say with acting you have to figure out how people's minds work and then you have to climb inside that so that yeah. seems like a natural progression to sort of figuring out psychology and then obviously with the terrible things that you've had to go through you've then had to figure out a way of coping in mm. your way and yeah. your way of doing it as you explained was by doing all of these things uh, a yeah. mixture of all of these things and it's helped it's helped you but the but the message there isn't that everybody has to go away and do exactly what you did people need to be need to figure out what it was that helped you and use that for themselves. So in this case, probably yeah. a bit of productivity, being productive. Mm. That reminds me of your TED talk. And mm, mm-hmm. your TED talk is amazing. Like Thank genuinely, you. genuinely amazing. Like, because you stood up, not only was it so articulate and from your heart, but it was it was really useful. Oh, good. And that's helpful yeah. to know. That's good. And it's actually stuck with me. And I love that. Like, and I thought if that's useful for me, um, mm. who the specific situation isn't necessarily applicable to, then that's got to be useful to, it's got to be relatable to so many different people going through so many different things because there's something in there that you can relate to. Mm. And being the TED Talk was like... Um, was on my goals board forever and I was a TED geek like I still am like I'm a nerdy fan of like TED talks and I just like love them and so and that came about because I was when I was doing the happy me project in-person workshops I always at the end of the workshops get everybody to do like a vision board I like to be creative and I like people to take something away with them so I use that time to chat to people and to talk to them about what their goals and their aspirations are and that kind of thing and when I do that, I always take my own round because I like to hold myself accountable to the things that I want in life. And I think we should never whisper our message. We should never quietly go like to ourselves, like, I really want this job or I really would love to do this. We need to tell people because otherwise we don't know who's listening. And this absolutely just rang true because at the workshops I did that and it 
it was one of the Newcastle workshops um, or two, it might have been two, I can't remember because it was two separate people ended up either knowing, one knew somebody and one was part of the organisers for the TED talk that I did. And um, so I got a call, I got an email saying, do you want to do this TED talk? And it, we've been recommended and it was through the workshops and it was the, what was the name of the TED? So the, the theme, they have a theme for each TED talk and it was, their theme was life finds a way. And I was like, wow. oh my God, like I need to be, yes, yes, I want to do the mm. TED Talk. And it was at my old college in Newcastle as well, which was bizarre because obviously I don't live in Newcastle and I haven't for a long time. So it was a weird like full circle thing. I was like, yeah, I need to make this happen. Yes, I want to do the TED Talk. And I had a great response from it. I put a lot of pressure on myself for that talk because I really wanted it to be right. And yeah. I wanted it to be, you know, there's certain things like certain ticks in your life where you're like, I just want to, I want to do that and, you know, and get that out of my system. And I want it to make sense and I want it to impact people in some way. And so I, I mean, I knew that talk inside and out. And then, when oh, we, you could tell. Oh my God. And I'm like, I, I'd said it in my sleep. Like, it was ridiculous how much I knew. And, you know, as an actor, you know, you want to get it off the page and you know, like, but the yeah. pressure I put on myself was ridiculous. And then when we got there on the day, so TED Talks, hang on, I'm probably going to get this wrong now, but it's 16 minutes, I think, for TED Talk is the... Right. There's a certain... Anyway, there's a certain amount of minutes. I think it's 16, but I might be quite... I might be wrong on that. But we got okay. there. I'd done mine to the spot on. I'd used my time. You know, I'd done it. I'd done it exactly. And I'd, I'd timed it to that time. We got there and they were like, could you just... um, Could you do it? To, could you actually just do it to 13 minutes? Like they knocked... They wanted us to knock three minutes off the talk. Um, and I was like, no, I can't. Like, I just can't. <laughs> and I'm not going to because I know that when it goes on TED, they'll use the full thing. And I just want to do it right. I don't want to now in this moment mess it up because you've yeah. decided you want that. But, which was fine. And they were like, no, no, that's fine. And I wasn't the only person like being the, you know, the diva. And yeah. um, there was, a, there was a, a few, a, a comedian that was there who was promoting her book was brilliant as well. And she was there and she was like, no, I've like learned the talk. No, I've learned it to what it is. And um, so we, but when we got on stage, in the front of the stage was a timer. So you knew how long, but it was set to their time. So the last three minutes of that TED talk, all I could see in the bottom right-hand corner of my like view was something <laughs> flashing out of time, out of time. Oh, at no. And I was thinking, my, honestly, I was doing all this breathing stuff because I was like, just breathe. You've got the time. You know the timing of this. Do not let this, do not just slow down. So there's a point, there's one point and no one else will notice it. There's one point where I can tell I've sped up slightly because I've started <laughs> to like, I can feel it. And I was in my head going, slow it down. And those words were coming out of my mouth because I knew them like inside and out. And in my head, I was going as if that is flashing at me like that. How out of order <laughs> is that? So it was like all this stupid internal pressure. And actually it had, you know, the, the talk itself, it, yeah, it seemed to have an impact on people and I had good feedback from it. So I was really pleased. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't say that if it wasn't the case. When I saw it, I sought you out. You did. Yes, you did. You did. I remember. And it was really lovely of you. I, appreci I proper appreciated it. Oh, good. There's a message, sort of a, a through, through message in that TED Talk, which is on the surface of it, incredibly pessimistic, but is also mm. incredibly freeing, yeah. um, which is, of course, you know, life is a bit, basically well, well, the name of the talk is tough luck why accepting life's unfairness will set you free and i mean that's, that's brilliant 
that that's a brilliant like that is a really 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 powerful slogan in and of itself but what i found quite interesting was there's a psychologist but you know how politicized everything becomes as soon as someone mentions anything now it becomes everyone becomes triggered triggered (laughs) yeah Yeah. someone's triggered somewhere of course yeah so he basically said the same sort of things as what you said a guy called jordan peterson i don't know if you've heard of jordan peterson oh um has he written a book he has yeah 12 rules for life i'm listening to it right now are you yeah just i've just started reading it that's because i put a book proposal in (gasps) scary times exciting but i put a book proposal in um and the um editor said oh my purport she said oh it ring it reminds me a little bit of that you're joking yeah that's that's really odd because when you were doing the ted talk that is weird how weird is that i didn't know that and i've only just started so i don't know what he says but what's really weird is he basically says these things that you basically said right. and there's loads of people that think that he's being a bastard about it and right. it's like what they also can't do these lots of people is they can't take they can't take this let, let's say they disagree with his view on the equal pay let, mm. you can disagree with that and simultaneously agree with another view he has of course <laughs> like, yeah which some people see, don't seem to be able to do they seem no, to no they like well, to demonize guy... don't they they like yeah. to go, well, he... everyone likes this is i mean this is kind of my obsession i like the gray area of life so i in the future want to put together a self-development tv show but what i want to do and this is probably only for my own like fun because i just this is mm-hmm. my favorite things is having topics of conversation where it's a bit gray where you don't get people don't have to be goodies and baddies like there is no such thing we are all flawed we are all liars we are all lovely as well like Mm. there is no like there's there it's very gray like we can have two things that we find that must be polar opposites like even when we're talking about grief like you can have laughter sat next to grief like you can have happy like people will often say to me and i know it's never meant in an awful way but they'll say but you know but yet you know getting through you know like but you're not really happy you know i understand it's you're not really happy and i'm like but i am happy like i'm i'm not happy about the fact my husband died of mm. like i don't i don't think i have to like say that to you but i'm happy i am happy like i cannot affect that that's happened there's nothing i can do i have an acceptance of that a sad acceptance but i have an acceptance and and people find it weird when two things are t- two ideas or or one person has an idea where they agree with it, but then on the other side, they disagree. It's like so, I find, because and I don't know if this is, because I certainly think in, in the entertainment world, we we certainly in like drama schools and in, in acting circles, we push boundaries in a way that, and, you know, connect with people and talk, have conversations that people probably would not have in the normal world. And it's very accepted. So my actor friends, my creative friends, we will have deep conversations about, um, gender or sex or sexuality and it's not a big deal at all like we will there's no there's no conversation that i wouldn't be no conversation i would feel really uncomfortable having and uh, but then for for the a lot of people that's just really like i often find in normal people conversations that i'm like a, a weirdo like i i will yeah, often yeah. feel like the alien in the room i like those conversations i'm the person that will talk religion and politics and and everyone will be mm. like oh don't do that and i'm like yeah but it's okay for you to get offended it's yeah, okay yeah, yeah. nothing happens when you get offended and oh that, like- <laughs> that reminds me of that comedy sketch i don't know if you've seen that comedy sketch oh, from know. steve hughes the australian guy i'll have to link it to you after oh, this oh do do I love, he, bas- I love he says that. Yeah. that nothing happens when you get offended you don't wake up in the morning you've got leprosy like- <laughs> you don't. 
it's just you just get offended and you know what my husband he was um, my husband was on the autistic spectrum like and he yeah, was black and white right so he was proper straight with stuff and he would often say and obviously get flack for it he would say you've allowed yourself to be offended you chose to be and do you know what when you talk about things like um mindset and um neuro-linguistic programming that is said in those circles as well we of choose course. we choose yeah. to be offended and you know what it might feel easier of course it does feels easy to be offended but why not question what's offending you like somebody mm. else like i was you know the religion debate i'm not i don't believe in god okay that's okay yeah. you can believe in god and we can still be friends because you know what none of us knows the answer now i just don't believe in it i don't believe in anything but people get really like i just think that i should be able to i'm you know as a british person our favorite pastime is taking the mick right that's what we do it's it's our culture yeah yeah and so I think I should be able to laugh at that, not to deliberately up, try to upset somebody, no. but if, but but equally from a religious standpoint, I've had people tell me I'm going to hell. Um, I don't think that's a particularly nice thing to say to somebody. And, no. and I will say, well, no, I'm not, because there's no such thing. Like whatever, <laughs> like like whatever. Well, that's all right, because you're fighting that. Uh, you're using the same level of. They've said something quite strong and you've used quite strong language back that's fair that's, that's fine, fair yeah. sparring isn't it as far as i'm yes. concerned yeah of course um, but yeah that was another thing in your ted talk that like struck me as something that some people would be offended by the fact that you talk about this idea of being a victim now mm. for some reason that in itself has become yeah. a contentious issue i don't Very know if much. you yes suffered I, any I, of the i have a little bit that, but... yeah so i've talked on numerous occasions and quite recently I did a talk on happiness being a choice and that's a very contentious subject for people because of course, yeah because and right let me be really clear I absolutely know that there is mental illness okay there is yeah. many many forms of that but the majority of the time we aren't talking about mental illness with people we're talking about mental health issues in that moment and when people get diagnosed with depression or they, um, you know, and I've been, I have at one point in my life, I, for the space of about six months, took antidepressants. When my husband was, um, when he had been diagnosed, it was about maybe two years in and my sister's partner got diagnosed with leukemia. Mm -hmm. And that was my moment of crash because I think knowing, watching her go through what I knew she was about to go through was was different to me living it. It was me watching somebody who I knew had different capabilities to me, different way of dealing with stuff. And I knew she would deal with it differently and would find it hard. And I was scared for her that she was not going to be able to cope. And that was my sort of low moment. So I do not, like I have been in the trenches, like I get it. I've felt those same things. I also understand the need sometimes to get a diagnosis. When my husband was diagnosed with autism, we needed that diagnosis for other people. And that's mm. often the biggest thing. So we knew he had autism. We'd already kind of self-diagnosed it and we were just using, we were reading books and we're kind of just find, find, trying to find coping strategies for him because just based on what we'd kind of fathomed ourselves. And it was only purely because when our, when our first was born, he had a lot of problems then. I guess the fast paced change of being a new parent was quite jarring for somebody with autism. And so we had to get a diagnosis because somebody at um and it wasn't meant in a horrible way but somebody at um our wedding party made a joke and said well holly's been in casualty a few times and she's diagnosed ross with autism and right and we were like yeah but what <laughs> like we knew we were thinking oh we'll just deal with it but then we went and got the diagnosis so i understand 
the diagnosis matters. So you get diagnosed with depression. It lets yourself know that this is a thing and it lets the people around you know, this is a thing that's happening. What my thing is that when you identify with depression or anxiety and you claim it and you own it, I have anxiety, I have depression, it can become a very stuck thing. And I don't want anybody to feel stuck. And there's a very different, and I talk about language a lot. There's a very different thing between saying, I'm going through depression, I'm, I'm experiencing anxiety, right? Then I have anxiety, I have depression. There's, and I know that might sound like splitting hairs, but this, the one that I'm saying, I'm experiencing anxiety right now, or I, um, you know, I'm going through depression, that allows there to be an end of this, that allows there to be something that you work through. And from a, you know, perspective of t- training your brain, you are training your brain that this isn't going to be forever. And I think, unfortunately, and I, it's never, never a blame because if you're in that headspace, it's, it isn't easy. And I, when I was talking about happiness being a choice, my whole talk was on the fact that that isn't an easy choice. When I no. wake, when Ross died and I woke up every day and I got, and I took my kids to Butlins or I, we went away, I chose happiness and I chose it on days when it was hard. And sometimes I chose happiness with tears streaming down my face and still mm-hmm. chose it. I still made a step. I still did something that took me closer. And sometimes that means sitting, you know, binge watching Netflix in your pants. And, you know, (laughs) sometimes it's that. Sometimes it's going for a run. Sometimes it's becoming a life coach, whatever, you know, pushes you through. But it is a choice. And I think that can become, and I have had people when I've talked about that, mostly on social media, not at talks. That might be because people are scared to say anything. But often people will give you feedback. So not necessarily. They will probably message me on after a talk and say, actually, I feel really offended by that. But I have had a couple of times where people have went, I have depression and you telling me it's a choice. And I I get it. I understand. And I don't judge those people because they're doing the best that they can. And that's how they feel. And I only say the stuff that I say in terms of choice and things like that, because it is based on science and it is, I've lived it. You know, like I, I know mm. it from my own experience. I know it from people that I've worked with and there will be some people, and I mentioned that in my TED talk, there will be some people that will find problems where there's not problems always. And it's interesting when those people are then put into a real life, actual, you know, on paper problem. Sometimes they step up in a way that surprises yeah. themselves. Yeah. I think people are finding that right now. I don't know if you found that. I've seen people who I expected to deal with this really fine, not dealing mm. with the coronavirus stuff. Massively, yeah. And then I, they, and the flip side as well. Like I've said this for years. I've said that, you know, that, um, that a lot of these people that suffer with depression or all these sort of things, I think in, in some ways people feel that they haven't got, that, that they haven't been called upon in the way mm, that, mm-hmm. that they're needed yet. Their purpose. And uh, yeah, their purpose, their meaning, they don't understand it. They think about these things and they, they overcomplicate everything. It, it, I'm not mm. saying that's, you know, again, like- It's not to not... minim. It's not to minimize their pain. No, Because pain exactly. is pain. It doesn't matter where it's yeah. coming from. If it's, you know, if we as outsiders can look and go, all right, Sue, you're being negative as you always are. Um, yeah. That that's fine. That's that's our judgment from an outside looking in. Sue's still feeling the pain. It doesn't make any difference yeah. what the pain's coming from. So it's not minimizing it. It's not about no. saying it's small. It's just that we can't, like, as an example, um, one a friend of mine who became a friend because she came to an adult acting class that I taught years ago. And she came when she just, it was the first thing she was allowed to do when she came out of a clinic for an eating disorder. 
she was 19 maybe when she came to my class. It's about 10 years between us. Um, and she came in. I just thought she wanted to be an actor at the time. And she, a friend of mine, Shannon, she won't mind me sharing because she shared a lot of stuff on social media about, um, you know, about her eating disorders and stuff. And Shannon has always been a very anxious person. She's battled with her mental health for many, many years. Now she's also, and I don't even know what this actually means entails, but she is an HAC in the hospital right now. So she is frontline dealing with coronavirus patients right now. Now, she has stepped up in a way that even she has been surprised by. Yeah. She said to me, like, I feel needed. I feel exactly. I'm, I'm needed. Like, I'm needed. And all of those other worries, I'm not saying they're just gone, by the way, at all. No. And when this dies down, there will feel probably more space to worry about the things that were yeah. there before. But there's a now, she is fully needed and wanted and she has a purpose and a meaning and she isn't feeling it in the same way. Totally, totally agree. There's people that I know in my life and that are, I mean, again, we're, I don't want to reduce it to, to extroverts and introverts and things like that, but but these are just easy labels to just sort of, of to make, to, to simplify, uh, you know, what I'm basically getting at. I know people that are more introverted, that are big worriers, and then I know people that are less neurotic, quite extroverted, quite confident. And then those things seem to reverse in often, not always, obviously, mm. in times of crisis where the introverts come to the fore, again, introverts being used in inverted brackets, yeah. you know, and they, they're they needed, like exactly like you said, because oftentimes these introverts are people who are, they think a lot. They, mm. I was going to say they overthink every every yeah. ver, you know version of what's going to happen in life. Exactly. So then when, so then when, when there's a time when that, all of that thinking needs to be used, they're there. They're like, well, I've mm. thought this through. <laughs> and then <laughs> the people that the are like, scenario, yeah. yeah, the people that are like, they don't think as much or they sort of just breeze through it's life. Like, like, I did not expect this to happen. Yeah, I was going to say it blindsided like, them. That's that's so true, isn't it? That is it. And, yeah. and also, though, you know, again, yeah, extrovert intro, but people who are used to being around people aren't coping with this very well. So mm. as we said at the beginning, like, I am a confident introvert. Like I am quite comfortable being in my own house. And at the moment, that side of it hasn't hit me at the same level as I think mm -hmm. it would an extroverted person who's out the house. My mom, for example, is constantly somewhere. She's always around people. She's always getting her hair done or her nails done or she's out and about. And she's finding it quite difficult right now mm. because there's I not bet. a thing to do. And when we're in our houses right now, we have to reflect. And, we, and those people that were using distraction as a way to deal with, any of their own anxieties and worries in their heads, they now have mm -hmm. to sit with them in lockdown. And that's a lot for people. And that's why I've been, so I've been showing up every day on um, Facebook to do a live stream. And I've had so many messages of people that are feeling this right now. And, and those people who, most of them are quite extro extroverted and mm -hmm. are just not used to it. Whereas the mm -hmm. introverted people are kind of almost pacing themselves in a different yeah. way. It's like, okay, we're indoors for a bit. Okay, I can do yeah. this. Like yeah, it's very strange. I actually saw there's a there's a lady on Twitter. She's called Helen Pluckrose, and mm -hmm. she said something really interesting. She acknowledged that she's a bit of an introvert, and she said about two weeks ago, "I'm worried about how the extroverts are going to deal with this." Oh, interesting. Yeah. And it's so true because they're the ones now who, but it, isn't it interesting that it's the introverts that are worried about that as well? Not the extroverts, but the extroverts. No. <laughs> like the extroverts didn't worry about the introverts when the introverts were 
going through all the trouble yeah and, and you now- know what that is interesting because i had a girl who um she's often shows up on my instagram and she facebook and stuff and she's lovely and she's had loads of mental health problems for years in fact she was actually sectioned and and so had loads of problems for years and we've spoken about it. she's now trained to be a counselor and she's using working through all of her stuff and she's actually mm. been very used to being locked in a place for mm-hmm. for probably the last five years she's been institutionalized and um one of the things that she was saying actually was one that she wasn't really, it wasn't that big a deal because she was actually finding it harder to go out and she just made a break for going into the real world, which has kind of hampered her slightly, but at least she's in it with everybody else. Um, And what she said she struggled with a little bit was how kind everybody was being now. And Mm -hmm. she was like, they weren't before when I really had really bad mental health problems. None of my neighbors reached out. None of the people supported me. And now I'm seeing everybody reach out and check in on their friends and their neighbors. No one was checking in on my mental health when I was really no. bad. And I, th- and I said, yeah, I, I mean, that that's a lot. If you think about it in that way, and the one thing we can hope, and mm. this is what I was saying to her, the one thing we can hope is that this will shift some of those people to understanding a bit more that yeah. not everybody, not everybody deals with life in the same way. Our brains are all very, very different and it's no right or wrong or, or whatever else, but it's just interesting that some of these people will, this might be their first big thing. In fact, actually, I was talking to my daughters about this because obviously they've been through a huge loss and I, when they're at school and things like that, often it's very difficult with their peers because their peers say weird things. They don't understand, you know, your dad's died. Well, that's terrifying. Like they, they say weird things to them and the girls have, you know, we have lots of conversations about how other children, it's very hard for them to understand at the age that they're at what that means for the girls and you know how difficult that must be and what I was talking to them about the other day was saying you know what's interesting is that to my girls I was saying you girls are very equipped for this you know you've dealt with big stuff bigger stuff for you personally we can do this and I'm like your (laughs) friends you know at school they are you know this is the first big thing probably most of them have ever dealt with and yeah it will feel really quite big. And I said, and including adults. There's a lot of adults that have not really dealt with anything. Their life has been fairly comfortable. I'm not saying they haven't had mm. their, their smaller losses and breakups and things like that, but you know, they might never have had to deal. I mean, none of us have had to deal with anything of this magnitude, but some people have not dealt with anything. And so I was saying to the girls, it's interesting that those of us who have been through some kind of trauma or difficulties actually will deal with this better and maybe we weren't dealing with you know maybe some of those people weren't dealing with the real world that well but actually in this time of crisis they know how to deal with a crisis so they're stepping mm-hmm. up it's, it's just a weird flip on its head isn't it yeah and 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 i think you, even you saying there that like about mentioning breakups and things like that i mean there must be a reason why the second time you have a breakup you're not as distraught as the first time you have a breakup you know what mm-hmm. i mean like True. that that tells us that life hardens us you know that mm-hmm. in itself tells us that every time we have a new breakup every time something new bad happens to us we're a little bit stronger we're a little mm-hmm. bit tougher yeah and that is that is unfortunate you know that we become harder but it's also a good thing because it protects us and yeah like you were telling your girls they you know they're prepared for it. And I think that's a yeah. really cool thing that you said to them. I think that's really cool. Well, I think that's the thing. And for every every difficult thing that we go through, like I remember certainly when when I knew the girls were going to be in that position that their dad, you know, was going to die, I spoke to lots of people. And one of my friends whose mom had died, who is a counsellor and a psychologist, and she said, 
I am who I am because of this, not in spite mm-hmm. of it. It's who I am because of this. And I think that's the thing that we have to remember when we go through some kind of trauma. It shapes who we are, but that doesn't, it doesn't have to all be bad. Like you, you know, this, the success that I've had since Ross's death with my self-development stuff, it's not in spite of Ross dying, it's because of it. And that's a really weird headspace because of course I didn't want that to happen, but yet good has come from it. And I certainly think that what we are going through now as a collective people, we don't want it, but good is going to come from it. And that's what we have to focus our minds on. Yeah. As terrible as some events in history seem, it does seem just like a constant in not just human life but in nature as well that for every Mm. negative there's also a positive it's almost Mm. like an abiding rule of nature that you just can't escape from like there's a really there's a really good youtube video actually if i source it i'll find it and i'll send it to you but it's um stephen hawken a stephen hawken video on youtube and it's talking about exactly that and it's a guy the videos of a guy digging a hole and it's kind of showing that for that you know the hole for the hole when he's digging all of the like the sand out or the mud or whatever it is there's also a hill being built right next to him in, and it's quite is talking about the positive and the negative that they just can't this this it is science they sit side by side and you know we've all we've said before like um i've heard people say in times of like tragedy like look for the helpers there's always something good whether it's somebody being kind or in fact today when i was sat in my office i'm looking out my window my office is in my house by the way i wasn't like running amok outside so not socially <laughs> distancing um, and i was looking outside and i saw <laughs> running amok and, i'm gonna um, tell the police yeah don't tell on me don't tell on me derbyshire that, police yeah um, did, didn't know if you heard about those ones but oh no why yeah, what did they, they do they, they've been they've been particularly uh, stringent be, apparently like they, have, have they? they had even people that were in walks in the middle of nowhere they were um like telling off like even though they're walking in the middle oh, of nowhere but anyway sorry for interrupting your story no yeah. no i was what i was gonna say what i saw which was just something lovely and heartwarming today was um i looked out and the bin men were out and um obviously the bin men have now rightly so become our heroes as well like they're, they're still doing their job and i saw yeah. a lady from down the street who i've never seen before come running like pegging it down the street all right red in the face and I, my window was open so i could hear the conversation and she just ran up and she said i just want to say Thank you so much for doing your job. You're doing a brilliant job, boys. Aww. And the guy, the, the guy, the, the young lad was like, oh, like, I could see him like, well, like, oh, it's just my job. Like, thanks. <laughs> and then she went all red in the face. It was just such an yeah. awkward British moment. It was yeah, lovely. Yeah. And I just got to see it all. Like, I was like, oh, oh my that's God, brilliant. that's the cutest. Like, stuff like that just warms my heart. In fact, I'm going to give you one more story that just warmed my heart because I think we need positivity. My little yeah. grandma, Rita, right? Little yeah. Rita. And she is little. She's like four foot ten. That's how we make them in my family. Tiny little petite women. And she's um <laughs> she's gone out um last week for you know clap for the NHS. She's gone yeah. out onto her doorstep. She's given it all, clapping away. And she's looked around and she said, honestly, Holly, she's e all all of them. They weren't out. I'm furious. I'm thinking, no, none of these neighbours are out. She's gone back inside, and she's realised that. It isn't eight o'clock in the morning that you're doing it. It's eight o'clock at night. So she's just stood there at eight o'clock in the morning, clapping her little heart out. And there must have been all the neighbours just looking out like, what's Rita up to? (laughs) Does she know it's eight o'clock at night? Everyone's doing it. Oh, my heart. I was like, Grandma, you're so cute. Why are you so cute? Like, we need these stories. We need more of these. Totally. But you're right. Like, it is really interesting how manual workers and these these 
in inverted commas lower skilled workers are being appreciated finally mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know i'm not going to be like a oh i told you so type of person but there is a degree part of me which I is know. like you guys like come on obviously please, <laughs> you know what I mean? us, like, please let us learn like like i just hope like my dad's super political and like like i say he's he's the most pessimistic positive person in the world and he's very very actively like political and um okay. Um, le- he's a very left-wing atheist and he's very loud about all of it and um, although I agree with most of what he says sometimes he does it in the most brash way and annoys everybody triggers everybody um, <laughs> and um, he's been saying in our whatsapp chat you know well I proper obviously agree with the clapping and all of that stuff but when the clapping stops and this is all over are we really going to appreciate the NHS are we really going to appreciate those like are we are people going to actually step up and do something to you know, affect good change. I get not having these conversations now, by the way, and we shelve them, but let's all not, like, you know, those of us that always did care about the NHS, and Mm. I include myself in that, like, we, and and cared about the normal people that do jobs and appreciate them, like, it's, let's not forget this at the other side of this. When we're all allowed to, like, go back out and, and life resumes to normality, whenever that may be, let's really try to appreciate our post lady or our postman in our bit, and, like, appreciate, that's a really important job. We couldn't, fu- like, can we remember in this time, we couldn't function without them, our shop workers. So be nice to people, like, because we couldn't do what they are doing. We didn't do it, so... And I just think we, I hope we don't forget. I really do. Mm. Well, you can't, like, as you were sort of alluding to earlier, you can't account for the many different aspects of people's personalities. And and that unfortunately means that some some people, as you know, will forget. And mm-hmm. we we also, we kind of have to let people realise think these things by themselves. We, we kind do, of have... and I agree. Shouting it loud doesn't actually, it never affects it. I've learned that in age, it, I think. Yeah. I, and I would say to my dad, like, you, you're arguing on Facebook with these people and you're just <laughs> perpetuating the problem. Like, yeah, I used it... to do it. Don't get me wrong. Like, Twitter was my favourite, like, r- like, space to just annoy, like, right-wing American crazies. Like, but I also appreciate, as I've got older, I realise that me shouting stuff on social media doesn't affect change. Unfortunately, like it might be nice and easy to shout, this is what I believe. And I I probably will do that from time to time. And and certainly I love a debate and I'm happy to have a debate with somebody who completely disagrees with me. But on the other side, if I really want to affect change, then I need to, you know, boots on the ground, get up and do something. I don't, I can't like just shout on social media. It just doesn't. And also, like you say, people have got to, if you're going to try and win them round, just shouting stuff and sharing things on Facebook, whatever political end of the spectrum you're at, it doesn't do anything. Have you heard of Daryl Davis? Um, Don't know. I reckon I you might so. have done if I if I link you to him. You might just not know his yeah. name. But he is a guy, an American guy. He's a black guy. Black guy. Uh, yes. Yeah, yes, I do. went into the... You know about the KKK the and that clan. stuff. Yeah, he went and went round and kind of made friends with the clan members, didn't he? Yeah. And stuff. And yeah. I mean, what a guy. What a legend. What and, an and he did affect change. legend. But that's because he went out and he, he actually, I, you know, he was, he was, I think this is what I always come down to. And this comes down to what we're talking about with Rona and the judgment we place upon each other. And I was talking about this on a live stream the other day about the judgment thing. Is I have really had to, and this is me having to work on myself because I am a former very judgy person. Like I'd have been the first person to shout people out with, you know, when you're younger and you're 
it, you're full of like your own yeah. opinions and stuff. You you shout louder yeah. and, and you know you think you're right and you think that you know that how can anybody possibly see different to you? And as I've got older, I've realised that there's many reasons why people see things different. They've had their own life experiences and their own way of seeing the world. But I always bring it back to this: everybody is doing the best that they can. That's it. And even though the best that they can might not match up to my expectations for them, that doesn't mean that they're not doing the best that they can. And that doesn't yeah. mean that you don't have to put boundaries in place. That doesn't mean that you can't disagree with them. But having that understanding of people, whether it's the people taking all the toilet roll or it's, you know, somebody who's, you know, went to visit their nan and they think it's a big, you know, it's all right. And it's not in, and it's, it's upset you and it's triggered you. Whatever the, the thing is, that person thinks that they're, they're doing the best that they can. They don't, know any better than that and actually it's not even about the other person that i'm telling you that for i'm saying it for you because mm. we feel real unrest when we're angry at somebody else but if we so can true. lessen that and go it might annoy the hell out of me that they've done that and i might completely disagree with this person but this person believes this because of their own life experience and exactly. the, what they've learned about the world and when we do that it just gives you a moment to not like lose your head with people Massively. And that's essentially what Daryl Davis was doing by going and talking to these guys. And he was giving, he was almost trying to figure out why they thought that way. Mm. He wasn't judging them. He wasn't, he wasn't even yeah. saying you guys are evil for having these thought processes. Yeah. He was literally just befriending them. And then by being friends with them and then using logic and rationality going, well, hang on a second. Why would, why would skin pigmentation mm. affect whether or not I'm a good person like it makes no it makes no rational sense and no and when you, you point it out yeah yeah when you point it out in a way that's not confronting yeah because i i actually think i did this with the jehovah's witness so um we used to have these jehovah's witnesses that used to come around all the time when i was younger and lived at home um mary and margaret and it was when i was on tv and they actually did once come back and ask for my autograph which was very cute um because my sister it was really cute um, because my sister one day, they they not, because I used to debate with them and, and talk to them. Like they probably didn't get a lot of that. They probably got a lot of people just like slamming the door in their face. And mm. I would have conversations. They would, you know, I remember the first time I, I met them, I jumped out the shower with my towel on someone was banging on the door, ran to the door and they handed me a flyer and it said, and she said, um, hi, I just wanted you, wanted to talk to you about what you think the meaning of life is. And I was oh, like, wow. I just got out of the shower. Um, <laughs> but I didn't slam the door. I just stood there in my towel and talked to them and was like, well, this is what I think. Blah, 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 blah. I was <laughs> they, about they, 17. They, they used the right about... sentence, didn't they, for you? They did, knowing... yeah, for my psychological brain. Yeah. like, right, let's have a debate about this. But they <laughs> yeah. used to come back all the time. And genuinely, like, I used to kind of, because they'd come back, they, they often do a lot of doomsday stuff, don't they, where they're like, this is the end of time and what if mm. this and, and the earth is awful and people are unkind and the wars and... And so because I, I have always, you know, I'm a realist, but I, I t you know, I tend to have more of this, like trying to seek out the sunnier side of life as well to try and, I would mm. always say to them like, well, yeah, but guys, like you're telling me that like you're, you believe in this God, but he sounds, it sounds really miserable what you're telling me, whereas I don't need the God that you're talking about. And I'm really quite happy. And I, I don't know what we, what I would be gaining because what you're doing sounds really miserable. You're going around telling everybody about all of the stuff that's rubbish about the world. Why don't you shift it around, guys, and like start thinking about the positives? And I would tell them positive stuff. And honestly, no joke, one of them was on the turn. She was she was about to turn her cheek to God. I'm telling you, she was on the turn. I made her think. I could I could sense it. So yeah. you know, but it was because I genuinely wasn't judging either. Like I yeah, wasn't yeah, yeah. saying you're you're idiots. Like. 
I was saying, like, maybe question this, like, why is it that you believe this and, and yet I don't feel this? And like I say, when it comes to religion and God, like, I don't care what gets you through. If you want to believe in the banana man, I don't care what gets you through. It doesn't matter to me. Like, no. they just, it just doesn't matter. If it helps you, then it helps. And it really just should, doesn't, uh, doesn't matter to anybody else. But equally, one, you should be allowed to be questioned on it and mm. me go, so why the banana man then? <laughs> like, what's that about? That's weird. That's hilarious. Um, and equally, you should be able to say, yeah, but you're going to hell, Holly. And I should go, oh, well, I don't believe in it. So it's fine. And we should be able to have a, a debate about it. And it should be fine. I don't mind what people do. It really doesn't matter. But we should be allowed to have those conversations. And and then maybe sometimes we will get through to those people that we disagree with and maybe affect like a nice change. That would be good. I mean, I think we've had, I feel like we've had a lot of like quite heavy stuff happen and I don't know if, like, in, in the last few years, and I don't know if that's just because we have so much access to everything, so we know about it. Mm. But mm. everything's, there's been a lot of big heavy news. I don't know. I hope that we all sort of do a little bit of soul searching and go, okay, let's try and be good people. Let's just try and, like, be nice to each other for a bit. And I've seen it, though. I mean, I have seen it since this has kicked off. When people are going on their walks, they're saying hello to each other, and that yeah, wasn't happening. Yeah, I've noticed that. It's weird, isn't it? It's, I mean, it's great. Can yeah. we keep, I mean, it, I've seen neighbours, you know, coming out, they're banging their pans earlier and cheering for the NHS and, and everyone shouting, you know, hang in there, neighbours, we'll be all right. And like, stuff like that. I'm like, that has never happened before. You know, when, you know, when my husband died, no one was shouting in the street, like, you'll yeah. be all right, Holly. Like, I, I'm, like, I'm not saying that, like, because I needed it, but I'm just no, saying, you know, no. we're, everyone in those houses around has been going through their own personal mm. stuff. And we didn't know about it. Friend of yours said, isn't it? Like, yeah, <laughs> they weren't there when she was going through all that trouble. And she, she yeah. again, just as you meant it, it's not like you, you or her are saying it in a kind of like a negative way. It's way. just a just a notice. It's just like a yeah. oh, okay. So we may, you know, what like like what we're saying is like maybe going through this, we can just start to understand that you know that neighbour that you saw banging the pants and cheering for the NHS, her husband yeah. just left her, left her, and yeah, she feels yeah. rubbish. Like, like on a genuine level, we might start to recognise that because purely because we are literally all going through the same experience here in terms yeah. of what's happening in the world. This Everyone is a collective thing. in the Everyone. whole world. I mean, like, that's insane. Like that is like we can connect on somebody in like I don't know Ghana or like yeah. Australia. Like we can connect like with that. Like we've not we you know whether whatever culture you whatever part of the world we can connect on some level here. And yeah. and what the what the fundamental stuff is is that we're all scared we're going to die and our loved ones are going to die and we want to survive. And and that's like one of the things I've really found and I'm sure you have as well is that this kind of going back to absolute basics, like the first week when I was thinking about food and stuff for the girls and making sure we have food in the house. And, you know, as I say, I'm very privileged in that I have a house and I've got a garden and, a, you know, I've got a hot tub for God's sake. I mean, for God's sake, how blooming privileged is that? I've got, <laughs> an, I've got a nice place that I'm in. And yeah. um, I, but then what, what made me laugh and jokes aside about the hot tub, I was like looking at my house and things like that and the telly or you know the laptop that i've got and i'm like none of that matters i can't eat no. the hot tub yeah, <laughs> can't my, yeah can't wipe my backside with the telly so yeah. um you know like on a like a basic i'm like i can't eat that stuff and when it yeah. comes down to the fundamentals nothing matters more no. than my daughters and, yeah. and us in this in this space and i had the same sense of that when when my husband got diagnosed i had the same sense that when 
it was a really weird thing because I was acting at the time. And I remember, mm-hmm. you know, as an actor, you're very focused and you're super like driven and you're very one track minded about your, your art and stuff. You can be very focused on that. And I was in that space. And I remember coming back and um, when we found out that he had brain cancer and that it was really bad and just suddenly not caring at all about acting, like suddenly going, why did I care about that? I've no mm. idea. I'd never, I, I don't understand how I could ever have cared. I don't care at all. Like there was nothing. And I remember looking at my house and thinking, none of this makes any sense in here. I, I, none of it matters. Like the stuff mm. on the table, the t- like, I don't care about any of this stuff. And recognizing that feeling of almost like a floating feeling of like, the only thing that matters is, you know, that he survives or that we are okay as a family. And I get that same sense of like, um, you know, I don't care if we're in a, a tent in the middle of a field and, you know, we've got a bit of food and we'll we forage and find food. Like, I don't care as long as we're okay. None of the stuff that we strive for, the materialistic stuff matters in these instances. No. All right, I get, I get, you know, the irony that I'm in a house. So don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not like minimizing that when people don't have those luxuries that I've just mentioned. But equally, take this off me as long as I'm safe. Like, as long as the kids are safe. I'll, I'll work it out. I'll work the rest of it out. Yeah. And, and I think that's, we've almost gone back to that really basic human primal needs. That yeah. That we that mate, and that's what connects us, isn't it? Because it doesn't matter whether you are in Somalia or you're in Coventry. It doesn't mm. matter. We have the same primal needs as human beings, and actually, one of those primal needs is that we are a social species and we need each other, which which is like very very evident. We've been told we can't be near each other, yet we've found ways to connect still. Mm. Yeah, this would have been impossible as lit was yeah. 35 years ago really you know, um, well, like, to, to I know. Have done the same yeah. stuff or even less but yeah you're right as well i mean i think it's just natural for when some form of order is restored that that human beings just go back to essentially going okay well what do i try and look for now what do i try and get now because otherwise you stand still as as a culture mm-hmm. as a society mm-hmm. and it's easy i suppose for us in this position now to go well we don't need all of this stuff and we don't you're absolutely mm. correct but when this is all over you know as well as i do mm. that we'll you're going to go back stuff. out to work mm-hmm. you'll you'll go and you'll try and buy a new telly you'll you know what i mean like we, yeah. we we will all do it it's all it's just completely natural for us to just seek new stuff to to, to evolve to yeah. develop because it's all part of that process and yes it's materialistic um and there are some people who are more aware of that level of materialism than others um, in everyday life. Mm. And then and then some who only become aware of it in p- periods like this, I guess. Yeah. And like you said earlier, hopefully, if nothing else, this will just enlighten people. And mm. that includes myself. You know, I'm not yeah, saying I already knew everything, like, obviously. Um we're I always think... growing up. We? We're always learning. I mean, I, I've definitely even, you know, even again, like, I've been going through stuff and thinking like, wow, this is so interesting that I've had to be forced to sit with my thoughts again. And actually mm. one of the interesting things that's come up for me is actually um, a sense of grief for my husband again, which actually is quite common apparently in these circumstances because I guess our brain goes, it, we are, like I said earlier, we're in a grieving process in this space. We're grieving for the loss of the the th- the plans that we had and although that's not a person it's still quite it still is real in many ways to us and um and what apparently a lot of people are feeling a grief for the people that they've lost as well 
And I, I don't know if that's like, it's such a big thing. It's made me go, what would Ross be doing in this time? Like, what would he have said? What mm. would he have... Ex- and it's it, it's just a weird... And so I've experienced like mm. a, a few times during this early process, a few waves of that grief, of that like sadness of, we're not going through this big thing together. And that's sad, like in, in some weird way. And I, I've spoken to a few other people that are, I guess, I mean, I guess really I am still in, uh, you know, it's not early, early, but it's only been a few years. So to lose a, a close person, it's still early stages, but people who are earlier than than me who have also felt that similar thing. So there's always something to be learned, whatever you've had go on previously, whether you've never considered your self-development, whether that's all you do, and it, there's always something to be learned. And you can surprise yourself, like we've said, with the people who've stepped up. You might surprise mm. yourself that you've been terrified and you didn't think you would. But like we've said as well, there's we are very much connected and more so than ever, people are reaching out to help one another, whether that's, you know, free exercise classes, you know, with Joe Wicks and loads of other people people like me who do self-development and are trying to, you know, give out free content to try and, you know, give people stuff to do, whether it's teachers who are doing stuff, you know, there's so much going on that we didn't see before. And if we decide this can be quite transformative, or you can just sit in your pants watching Netflix until it's all over and no judgment either way. (laughs) So on on that, as we touched a bit on uh, your stuff, do you want to explain to our listeners, um, you know, what they can check out of yours? Yeah, of course. So um, at my YouTube channel, I am trying to daily vlog on there and just update on personal family stuff and where we're at and my own learnings as I go along. And the interesting thing is that all of my content right now is very much in real time because it has to be. I can't really plan ahead because I don't know what will be in a few weeks and my mm. content might be completely irrelevant or completely inappropriate so I have to do everything in real time so I'm daily vlogging or I'm also doing a lot of um stuff about talking to your children and more family-based stuff on there as well on my Facebook I which is I am Holly Matthews you will find me 10 o'clock every weekday morning I'm doing lives on mindset stuff so we've talked about grief we've talked about um scheduling your day you know resilience tips things like that um, I'm also showing up on my Instagram as and in when I can. I'm doing some live streams on there. I have my Facebook group, the Happy Me Project Facebook group, which was a private group for people who had been at my workshops or had been who had done one of my online courses. But I've opened the doors to that to allow people into that space because everybody in that community is working on their mindset. And so I'm getting guests in there to do some different lives. So we had a lady on this week who was talking about decluttering your home for more decluttering your mind. So it's all about mindset, but actually now is the time to get rid of the clutter. So she did she did live in there. So there's lots mm. going on in there. And then on if people want to do, actually do a course, and I know a lot of people are, I've got two courses, the Happy Me Project one, which is the one I mentioned earlier, which is 30 pound. It's a 21 day online self-development course. And that's each day you'll get audios, a workbook. And it's not, it's not a, um, a heavy course it's to guide you through difficult stuff and then there's also the happy be happy me project 2 which was actually launched only in february of this year which is a bigger course but it's all about 
confidence and self-belief. So it's how do you believe in yourself on the inside, but equally, how do you look confident on the outside of things as well? And I think this would be very helpful for people who are looking to go back into work as well after this. And possibly this introverted situation we've been forced into is gonna is gonna cause a lot of people to feel lacking in confidence in their belief in themselves so that course is very useful for that and they're obviously both online there is also a kids visualization course as well which i don't really talk about a massive amount it was purely put together i did a kids workshop with my daughters a positive mindset for parents and children last was it last year and i only did it because the girls were going can i come to your workshop and i know it's like my workshops are very real. I swear too much and I'm like very straight talking. The kids can't come. <laughs> so, and and because I want my kids to be very entrepreneurial, I was like, right, well, you help me do it. I'll pay you. We'll do a workshop. So we did a workshop and I put together a little online course as well. So there's visualizations, which are kind of stories for kids to listen to, but they're all about um, bravery and confidence. And certainly there's some stuff in there for parents on how to talk to their children about positive mindset and I think during this time, that's actually very useful as well. So there's lots of all of these you can, if you type in Holly Matthews online and you can't find me, then the internet's broken because you will. You'll find my Facebook, <laughs> my Twitter, my Instagram, um, YouTube. I'm on LinkedIn now because I'm trying to be all proper like a grown up and um, and do like professional stuff. So I do um, I do, do LinkedIn if you're more of a linkedin era. Um, and I did, I did join TikTok but I have not fathomed TikTok yet. I'm just not cool enough for TikTok. I'm not sure about TikTok. I'll be honest. I, I saw, I'm the same. I saw a few of those and I'm like, nah. I'm just not. I can't. I, I Well, I try to do like, because Gary V, I don't know if anyone who listens follows Gary Vanderchuk, that I pronounce it. Gary V, anyway, he's a business coach and does mindset stuff as well. And he was like, okay. you gotta, you got to get on this social media, blah, blah, blah. And he talks about social media and I follow his stuff. And I was like, oh my God, I, get, I need to get on TikTok. I need to get ahead of the curve, you know, my entrepreneurial brain kicked <laughs> in. And I went on just before Christmas and I started to like try and work it out. And it's, it, I didn't find it. And this is probably just me being like lazy and not really working it out. But I didn't find it that user-friendly. And it was like, I was just not that into it. And then mm. my daughter was like she I showed her what I did like she's nine and she went yeah mom you don't get TikTok <laughs> and I was like oh no we're there are we like and she's like mom no and then I heard her repeating back to someone we went to some event and they didn't realize I was there and the guy went oh I was introduced to my sister-in-law who was with um with Brooke my oldest and so she said oh this is um Holly's daughter and he said, oh, I follow your mom online. I follow your mom on TikTok is what he said. And Brooke said, oh no, mom's not really on TikTok. She's just trying to work how it works at the moment. <laughs> and I was like, that's hilarious. That's so funny. That means they know Brilliant. too much. But yeah, so people, if, yeah, come and, come and follow me online and come and say hello. Say that you came from this podcast as well. And I genuinely, genuinely care about people. And I will, I try to, you know, myself, my brand of self-development, as you can probably tell from me talking here, although I have curbed the swearing because I wasn't sure if I could swear on here. You can um, swear. Oh, could well, I? I've only Damn just told it. you now. Yeah. You should have told, oh, well, actually you probably shouldn't have told me because <laughs> I would have been terrible and some people would have been triggered and then everyone would have turned off. So you haven't been triggered, but in normal life, I swear a massive amount. And my tagline for my self-development is that self-development doesn't have to be fancy, okay? My mm. brand of self-development is not for people who, well, it, I mean, it can be for them, but it's, you know, it's not for Jane who chants in the woods over crystals. 
she can mm. do it but but Jane can do you know a lovely retreat in Italy as well if she wants you know like Jane can do those stuff Jane's always done that but mine's also for Dave the Builder who's probably never experienced self-development and thinks it's all a bit silly and like not for him well it is my kind of stuff is is trying to make it as basic as possible because we need this stuff and if I can make it understandable it's not about me trying to be clever you don't need me to tell you all the stuff I've done and read and stuff you need me to tell you how to do it really basically in a way that's you know, as simple to understand as like somebody sending you a tweet or a meme. That's what I want it to be so that people can look at it and go, ah, okay, I'll try that then and see if it works. Some will, some won't, but that's the idea is that my, the Happy Me project is giving you some tools that you can use and see what works for you and that, and that's it. And so I would love to see, you know, have some of your listeners come in and say hello and get some value in what I'm doing. Brilliant. Yeah, well, hopefully a couple of our listeners will come over. I mean, this is a new thing for us as well. You'll be the first of our podcast with a guest. Because oh, exciting. prior to this, it's just been us talking about films and TV and stuff like that. I've got a few guests lined up, you being mm. the first. And hopefully this will be a start of a thing where we start to talk to new people and mm. about thoughtful Pick subjects. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's all we want to do. We just want to have these discussions these long-form discussions and really get different perspectives and and like what you were saying earlier really just just listen to people learn and i really recommend people go and check out your tech talk if i haven't waxed lyrical about it enough already oh thank you i would love that i would love that well thank you very much thank you i've i've loved it it's been really lovely to end my day having a proper conversation about life if this all goes well we can have you back on in a couple of months or something i don't know absolutely well i'd love to so uh, if you, if there's space and you want me to chat then let's do the chat thanks very much for listening we hope you enjoyed our chat i really truly do recommend watching holly's ted talk aptly named tough luck accepting life's unfairness will set you free it's an incredibly inspiring talk and really worth checking out details and links will be in the description See you all soon and please drop us a message with anyone else you'd like to hear on our podcast.